0: Do you ever people watch? You know what I'm talking about? Showed up at your campus today, you've seen somebody, maybe they sat near you before, you're like, I don't know they drive that kind of car. You know, you're like, really like, man, I I hope I get that car one day. And you might have even thought that about me sometime. You see me walk in, you're like, man, he looks healthy or... You saw uh, Heather and I come in if you come to the 430 service and you're like, oh, they look happy. Man, what would they know about being lonely? Or maybe you see me drive my car and it runs and you're like, man, he's got a car that works. He has a job. He has all these things. And what if I shared with you some things that you may not know about me? Are you guys good with that this weekend? You ready? The first thing, number one, I have four teenagers Three girls, plus Heather, that I live upstairs with, with two bathrooms. You guys know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Four phone bills, four empty bags of chips, four things left in the pantry that shouldn't be there. You guys get the picture. Some of you have four teenagers or more. You're like, I get it. Second, my name is Josh Whitehead. I received all the hate-filled emails for Pastor Chris (laughs) over the last 20 years. For those of you who may not attend it before, uh, when Pastor Chris says something in his sermon that might be edgy or a little questionable about a decision that he's made, he always says, if you have a problem with that, email joshwhitehead at faithpromise.org. He doesn't even know my email address, even though we've been friends for 20 years, but nonetheless, I was the one to get all the emails. And then number three, more serious. And many of you know my story, but some of you are uh, new here, but the The mother of my two children, Hayden and Madison, the lady I was married to for 18 years, was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2017 and then passed away. So before I pray, before we open the Bible, before we read what God wants to teach us today about mental health, think about this. You never know what someone is going through or what they've been through. Never. And I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what's happening in your life, but I would tell you this from what I've experienced, you have hope. So let me pray for us so we get started today. So God, we love you. We are grateful uh, that we have a God who loves us. And for those who don't even know if that's true today, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal yourself? Uh, God, we want to grow and accomplish all the things you have for us. So heal our minds, the first step. God, after we know you. So lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to welcome you to Faith Promise this weekend. I want to welcome all of our campuses uh, worshiping all across the the, uh, state of Tennessee, at least the eastern half at this point, our Bristol campus. We're so glad you're there. And we start a new series called Peace of Mind. And uh, I'm grateful to Pastor Zach and Pastor Chris for the opportunity to be here. But, hey, I always want to just make sure that we welcome the men and women who are worshiping at our God Behind Bars campuses. They could be anywhere else, but they choose to come and worship Christ each week. Would you give it up for them? We are so proud proud of you guys and all that God is doing in your life and Pastor Lisa, we're grateful for the investment that she makes. But as we enter this season right now, I want to remind you again, and you'll hear it over and over today, but several things that are happening. One, tonight is step one of Next Steps. That's 6 o'clock at every campus. If you haven't been to Next Steps, would you please just take the time to go? It's going to rain tonight anyway. I really don't know if it is, but just go to Next Steps. Uh, at 6 o'clock, we've got dinner and childcare, And uh, we want to help you discover your purpose. Then uh, several things coming up. Next weekend, Pastor Toby Slaw will be in all of our services talking about mental health. And then on the 18th of July, Parenting with Purpose, uh, just the opportunity for him to speak to parents. If you have elementary uh, age kids, preschool age kids, middle school, high school, it's a, an opportunity at our campuses for you to hear about how to help your kids with mental health. Then Serve Day, July 22nd, and to end the month, Movement Conference for our 6th through 12th graders. They, are you guys excited about Movement Conference? Listen, if you haven't signed your students up, don't miss it. It's going to be an incredible time for them. This is our back in rhythm season, and we are ready to go for all that God has in the month of July. So here we go. How do you get peace of mind? You know, as we begin this month focusing on mental health, I, I want to share some statistics with you. Uh, that'll just, I think, shock you in a lot of ways, and then some ways not. In 2021, more than 4 in 10 students felt persistently sad or hopeless, and nearly one-third of them experienced poor mental health. This is from the CDC. Uh, listen to this next one. It'll break your heart. In 2021, more than 1 in 5 students seriously considered attempting suicide, and 1 in 10 actually attempted suicide or committed suicide. The, 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 the next one, for the people who actually should have it all together or su- supposedly they shouldn't, they're supposedly have it all together. Pastors who describe themselves as emotionally or mentally exhausted jumped from 21% in 2015 to 32% in to 2022. Almost a third of pastors are saying we're emotionally or mentally exhausted. How about you? Do you feel emotionally exhausted? 2020 did something to us. And for all of us, honestly, we, we seem to have been connected to some things in our life. We, we were chained to them. And we don't seem to be able to get a, away from them, right? The things, things cost more. Uh, time seems busier. Like We literally can't figure out like, how do we move forward? How do we let go? So what do we do? Well, I think there are some first steps to mental health but before we begin I would just say this if you're struggling and you feel like life is overwhelming you would you just talk to someone sometimes life is heavy and you need to see a counselor I'm not an expert I'm just another guy dragging my chains on the way looking for freedom as well but what I will tell you is this in the moments where I've needed a counselor I found a counselor my counselor's name is Kevin And uh, if I need him, I make an appointment with him because he has helped me navigate some of the most challenging times of life. And if you have your Bible this weekend, and you will uh, look and take your phone, whatever you have, turn to John chapter 5 or open to John chapter 5. Because I want to see in a passage of scripture today what John, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers shares about a time when Jesus was coming back into Jerusalem. Now, for those of you maybe who haven't been around church, Jesus kind of centered his ministry in two places. He did ministry in a region or an area called Galilee. And then at times he would come into kind of like the epicenter of religious thought, which was Jerusalem at that time. And he, would make, he was making his way in this moment, John tells us, back into Jerusalem. And he makes his way through a place that was called the Pool of Bethesda now there's a picture behind me that's actually the pool of Bethesda today I took this picture when I was in Israel last year and the pool of Bethesda isn't a pool now but it was then and when Jesus would have walked in this area would have been full of sick people the Bible tells us that one guy who was there was had been there for 38 years waiting to be healed and the Bible says this pool was different, that the water would stir. And he, began, he literally tells us later that the first one in would actually be healed. Now, the interesting thing about this and uh, something I found out as I studied this passage over the past month is this, is that many people actually believe that this pool wasn't spiritual at all. That this was a superstitious place, maybe even if you know the word, a demonic place where a, a demonic force or something would stir the water, people would go in and they would be healed and people would be drawn to this place. And Jesus walks into this scene where there are just all of these people who are there waiting to be healed. There's this guy who's been there for 38 years, and Jesus walks up to the guy. And if you're if you're following along uh, in your Bible, or if you have your phone open in John chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this: Jesus, upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for a long time, said to him, Do you want to get well? Now, when I was growing up, this is what we would call a no-duh question. You don't know, like, no-duh. Like, do you want to get well? When we were in the car on family vacation, if someone said, do you want ice cream, it's like, no-duh. Every every kid on vacation wants ice cream, right? And this guy was the same way. Jesus walks up, and it's got to be a moment. It's like, why would he ask me if I want to get better? And the reality for us is this, is what Jesus was saying to him, because the idea of having a pool where all these sick people are doesn't really make sense, but Jesus was helping us understand that just like this guy, he didn't need a ritual or water, this superstitious pool. He needed Jesus. And how does it relate to us? It's this way. He relates to us because many of us are looking to the wrong pools for healing. They're not pools filled with magic water. They're actually places filled with people who are distracting us. Many of you are missing God and and this opportunity to be different in your life because you're distracted by the enemy on social media and you're looking what other people had or you're doing what we all do at some point. You're people watching. You're looking at the people around you and what they have. And you're thinking, man, someday maybe I'll get that. But the reality of it is that's just a distraction that keeps you dragging around a chain, being chained to things or being drained from pulling things that are so heavy in your life. And for all of us, we have to come to the place to where we recognize that we actually need supernatural help, not superstitious hope. And in John chapter 5 and verse 7. Jesus goes on and talking to this guy, and he literally, as he talks to him, the man responds to him. So he asks him about this this question, and the man says, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, would you allow me some spiritual speculation? Y'all okay with that for a minute? Everybody good out there? Come on. Are you there? If you're listening, say, I am. That's what pastor says. Come on. Here's my spiritual speculation. Was he really trapped at this pool? Or was he just unwilling to ask anyone for help? You see, in my life, honestly, the distance between help where I need it is normally my willingness to go and ask someone for help. Had this man asked for help? In 38 years at the same pool, he had never met someone who would help him. Or here's my question for you. Was he ashamed to ask for help? Did he do what most of us have done? He had been sitting there for 38 years believing that no one wanted to help. He began to feel completely isolated, completely hopeless. And he decided that that was what his life was destined to be about. That he was destined to live by a pool and never get the help that he needed in his life. Now you may think, Josh, hang on, are you telling me that hope and a willingness to ask for help will really bring healing? And I would say, I don't know if it'll bring full healing, but I think those are first steps for all of us to get the help we need. And even in our church, we offer counseling. Dr. Ann, uh, who counsels people who attend Faith Promise, and she helps so many people, But the reality of it is most of us are not getting the help that we need because we're unwilling to reach out to someone who can provide that help. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was in a meeting and my phone rang and uh, what I consider to be our fourth child, although he has an incredible mom and and family, uh, Cedric, uh, he actually had called and so when I called him back, When he picked up the phone, he said, Josh, I'm depressed. What do you say when someone says I'm depressed? Honestly, I, I didn't know what really to say. And I began to ask him, why are you depressed? And he said, hey, we just passed Father's Day. And I'm past that, but then July is coming and I'm sandwiched in between a celebration for dads and the month that my dad died, tragically and suddenly, and I am depressed. He's here today and I wasn't even going to share his name and yesterday we were talking and he texted me later and he's like, hey, I think you should. He said, I've been hiding behind anxiety and depression for way too long. Some of you are in the same place. But yesterday he said something to me. It wasn't even in my notes. And I'm like, I have to say this. He said, Josh, I've trained myself to be able to lift 300 pounds of weight, but so many days I can't even lift my 185-pound body out of bed. Have you been there? Right in this place where you're chained up, like you're, you're bound up and You're you're dragging these things along, but you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to to get away from it. Well, I think there's three maybe things that we can start with this weekend that would help us as we're on this journey to discover mental health. And so if you're taking notes, maybe this will help you today. But the first thing I want you to do is I want you to determine what your thought is chained to. Something that happened in the past or maybe even anxiety about the future, something that's happening in the present, there is something that whatever you're experiencing is chained to. It's the origin of it. It might be anxiety. It might be insecurity. Something has you chained up. And the Apostle Paul, who is just wrote literally uh, almost half of the New Testament, at least a third, uh, it, he writes in the book of 2 Corinthians, this passage and. Paul is writing to a group of people who literally they're false teachers teaching wrong things. And then there's all these people who say they're Christians like many, like you, like me, all of us. But then they're not really fully living out out their faith in Christ. And it's destroying the church. And as it's destroying the church, he says, I'm going to take every thought captive. Listen to what he says. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful For the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, here's a challenge. Maybe your life is chained to something, but for some of us, we've been chained for so long, what we're chained to has become a stronghold. And you'll say, What's a stronghold? Listen to this. I love this definition I found. A stronghold of the mind is a lie that Satan has established in our thinking that we count as true, but is a false belief. When we embrace these lies, they affect our attitude, emotions, and behaviors. Can I ask you a question? Would the people around you say that the things that you're struggling with are impacting your attitude, your emotions, your behaviors? Now... We don't do this often and if it's your first time here, I'm sorry, I'm gonna just kind of create one of these awkward church moments. You guys, you okay with that? Would you just close your eyes where you are? Just close them, maybe bow your head. Just take a deep breath. And would you just answer this question to yourself, just, just in your heart. What thoughts that aren't true am I believing? that are dragging me down and affecting my attitude, my emotions, or my behavior? Just keep them closed. Should you take another deep breath? Just keep your eyes closed. Can you think of a part of the Bible that you may know or you may be heard that says your thought is not true? You can look this way. So the first thing you have to do is you have to figure out what your thought is chained to. But then the second thing you have to do, which is so amazing, is that you have to find a Bible verse to replace your thought. Literally, we have to submit our thoughts to God that our thoughts should truly be in submission to God and that and what the Bible says about me. But the challenge is for most of us, the thoughts that we have about ourselves literally come from outside of the Bible or outside of God, and they leave us literally destroyed in our life. There are things that we struggle to let go of, there are things that people have said that we can't figure out how do we find freedom from them. But the reality of it is is that we we can use the Bible scripture to replace the thought that we have every time it enters our mind. And you may say, I didn't know a verse for mine and that's okay. On the screen behind me, they're just gonna show just some different ways. This is what I did. I was like, how do you overcome insecurity? What verses talk about insecurity? And, and, and Google gave me uh, verses or I went to a website that I would just recommend for you. It's called gotquestions.org or you can download the app. And honestly, it would, I would do that. And you can go in and you can say, how do I overcome insecurity? And the article isn't gonna just magically help you overcome insecurity but it'll give you the verses that you need to replace the thoughts that you're having when you're insecure or when you feel anxiety. It'll give you those thoughts that you can replace, those verses that you can replace your thoughts with. And Paul, again, in Romans 12 too, and maybe you've been in church, you would know this verse, but he, he literally helps us to see how we can do this in Romans 12 too when he says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what does it mean to renew your mind? It literally means to interpret your life through the lens of God rather than the lens of your wounds. It means to interpret your life through the lens of God's word, not the lens of your wounds. Now, I had an incredible experience this year. I turned 48 in January, and recently I was reading my Bible in the bedroom and had it opened on the floor. And if you had been watching, you would think I was super spiritual, I was getting close, I was looking at the word, my face looked really squinty, and my wife walks over and hands me a pair of reading glasses and says, hey, it looks like you're having trouble seeing the Bible, put these on. I'm sitting there with a pair of women's reading glasses on and when I put them on, the whole world, it just goes, you know that, like the angels were, like everything brightened and I could see the Bible. I'm like, I need some of these, right? I needed a new lens. And the way that we get a new lens is by aligning our mind with God's truth, with the Bible. And if we don't do this, we are destined to live a life filled with defeat and struggle, and confusion. And my question for you today is this, does that describe your life? And you know what, if it doesn't describe your life to you, why don't you ask other people, does that describe my life? And then we don't talk about what we can do to truly make a difference, because the one I'm fixing to share with you, some people are like, well, that's just self-help, or that's just, and, and listen to this, this is an incredible thought. When you intentionally change the way you think to align with God's word, it literally creates new connections or pathways in your brain that make the renewal process easier over time. Now listen to this. God, we believe, created us. You and me, right? He created us. He created our brain and he literally created our brain that even though our brain thinks It's connected or chained to something. We have the ability through him to tell our mind, you are not connected to that. And when we replace the thoughts we're having with the word of God, then literally the chains fall off. And we have the chance to see life in a different way. Now listen. Your thoughts have power. And some of you are wrestling right now. You're like, I don't know if that's true. Listen to me. The wisest man who ever lived in the Bible and forever is is Solomon. That's what Scripture tells us. And in Proverbs 23, verse 7, he says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Literally, that your thoughts create the boundary of your life whatever you're thinking, wherever you're limited in your thought, it is keeping you from accomplishing everything that God has for you. You got to figure out where these thoughts have come from. And then you've got to get a new lens. You've got to see your life through the word of God and what God says about you. But the last thing that I want you to see is this. You have to submit your thought to the Holy Spirit. Paul, again, in that passage in 2 Corinthians 10.4, you may have missed it, but he said, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Now remember, the battle that you're facing isn't in the flesh. Our enemy, Satan, is working to trip us up and keep us chained to our past. He's keeping us, right? He's, He's telling you, you're doomed to drag around all the unhealthy and unhelpful thoughts that this world has placed into your life, you are doomed to carry these things forever. But Paul says this, no you're not. He says you have divine power. Literally the word means you have God power. And your God power is the Holy Spirit. And God knew right where we would be. God knew that we needed someone to help us. And so God gave the Holy Spirit to us to help us. Listen, you you think, well, the Holy Spirit, that's kind of scary. No, actually the Bible gives us what the Holy Spirit, the word means. The Greek word is paraclete, and it's been translated. Listen to these amazing ways. The word means counselor, advocate, comforter, intercessor, strengthener, or stand. That's your Holy Spirit. You're not on your own. God didn't mean for you to live life alone. God didn't mean for you to do it by yourself. Not only did God not know that where you were, He knew where you were, but God gave you someone to walk with you, the Holy Spirit of God. And and listen to this. I love this verse in in Romans chapter 8, verses 26. You've probably heard it if you've been in church. Now, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God gave you the Holy Spirit to help you, to walk with you, so that you wouldn't live your entire life chained to the things that have happened to you or the words that people have said to you or the lies that you believed about yourself. But God gave you something else. He gave you this, O-T-H-E-R-S, others. God actually gave us other people that we could talk to who could help us. And that guy lived there 38 years and he never had someone else who could help him. And some of you are living your life with no one to help you and you're, you're holding on to the chain of the past of what happened to you. And, and, and literally, there's another person, one, who can come and they can help. Because you know what, two hands are better than one. There are other people who can bear our burdens. But as some of us, what needs to happen is you need someone else to come along and make your hands break loose and make the chain fall out. Because you've not been able to do it on your own but you can do it with God's help. You see, you're a burden bearer for someone. And I'm just gonna ask you, when is the last time you picked up somebody and you helped pull their chains? You're a burden bearer. Now I wanna tell you this as we close out today. I I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish that I could tell you like, hey, this afternoon, Go out to the Farragut Greenway and just walk. And when you're done, you know, it'll be done. This will be done. It's not gonna happen that way. I wish it would. But listen, we've let the pattern of our lives be so consistently chained to our past that we're gonna have to do hard work to let go. But God has equipped you to do it. He's equipped you to know what you're chained to, He's equipped you to have the word of God to help you overcome it. And he's equipped you literally with the spirit of God to not just help yourself, but to help others. And as I was praying this morning for you and thinking about this moment, because in just a minute, our prayer team is gonna come forward and so many people have found freedom this weekend, but for some of you, the distance right now between help and you Is the distance from your seat to the stage. Some of you will miss freedom from where you're sitting to the stage. And listen, you don't have to walk up to someone and just say like, you know, this is my life story. Here's what I'm changing. Like, you don't have to do that. I understand. Some people are really private. You don't have to do that. You just walk up and say, hey, I realize I'm chained to some things in my past and I want freedom. Will you pray for me? And that person's gonna pray for you. And they're gonna pray life and the word of God over you. And they are gonna literally ask God to break every chain. And they're gonna be a burden bearer for you. But the distance between you and that moment is where you're sitting. Overcoming what people around you might think, who cares? Maybe they don't need freedom. If I need freedom, I'm going for help. Coming forward and asking God to help you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God, in this moment, as our prayer team comes forward, at all of our campuses, Spirit of God, would you flood the room? God, we're all carrying baggage, we're carrying chains. And the Word of God can silence the sound of those chains, but God, we have for too long gotten used to it. The feeling of dragging things behind us. And God, today we're just going to say enough is enough. We're not going to live that way anymore. And so, Father, I pray right now that across our campuses, when we're finished, God, when we say amen, that people will make their way. They'll let go of their past. They'll get a new lens. Submit their thoughts to your spirit that they can see a work done that they never believed could happen. This is your will for our life, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.